Hello and welcome to Sip and Savor. I'm your host, Megan McSwing. Houston has long served as a warm and welcoming place for restaurateurs and chefs to dig their heels into after garnering success in cities like New York, LA, or Chicago, among others. In recent years, as Houston's culinary landscape has evolved and skyrocketed in popularity, food people from around the country are opting to escape bone-chilling climates and sky-high real estate prices for the warmth, comfort, and laid-back living of the South. One such veteran is native New Yorker Benjamin Berg. If the name doesn't sound familiar, you would have definitely heard of his restaurants, various concepts which have added style and luster to Houston's dining scene. The hospitality veteran who moved from New York City to Houston, while retaining his position as general manager of Smith & Walensky's, soon blazed a trail of his own, launching B&B Butchers, a boutique steakhouse concept completely new to Houston. Attached to the steakhouse, the butcher shop, a place to buy high-quality meat and New York-style deli sandwiches. Shortly after came BB Lemon, a casual and fun hangout known for its diner-style atmosphere and comfort eats. More restaurants followed. There's BB Italia, focused on Italian-American classics. Turner's, a fine dining destination with a throwback menu, fancy wines, and live music. And perhaps the most ambitious of all, acquiring one of Houston's most iconic uptown restaurants, Cafe Annie, and reimagining it into simply the Annie. Today, I'm sitting down with Ben to discuss the mark he has made in Houston since moving here from New York City and what he thinks it takes to make each concept a success. Ben Berg, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, pleasure to see you. So, B&B Butchers mm-hmm. and the Butcher Shop, BB Lemon, BB Italia, the Annie, Turner's. Mm-hmm. Did I forget any? No, you're good. <laughs> So many concepts all since, what, 2015? Since 2015, yeah. B&B will be six years old on May 29th. Wow. Let's start with life before Houston. Right. You're from New York, right? I'm from New York City. So Mm -hmm. tell us about kind of what you did in New York and, um, you know, your hospitality experience there. Um, I moved around a lot. I mean, I can start from the beginning. In, In college, Right. I mean, you started. You were in hospitality in college. Yeah, I started working in a bar mm-hmm. in college, and I, I, I was working my way up. Um, and I became an assistant manager. Uh, but there's a lot of funny stories there. But <laughs> yeah, like your first night bartending. Yes. And, yeah. But we probably should get into those. <laughs> oh my uh, God. We'll have a whole other episode. That's on a whole your other bartending episode. days. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was I, I was kind of gra- I was ready to graduate, and I was going to my dad. I was like, I don't know what to do. I think I'll take the LSATs or something, right? Because whatever. Oh, go be a lawyer, right? So you didn't know what you wanted to do. No, I didn't know. And, and he goes to me, he goes, well, it seems like you are enjoying, like, working at the bar. You've moved up. You're an assistant manager. You ever think about hospitality? And I was like, no, not really. And he's like, well, I have this kind of a friends. I know somebody who has these uh, really high-end hotels in upstate New York, in Lake Placid. I can give this guy a call, see if you could get an interview. And I said, yeah, all right. It's okay, better than very, studying for the LSAT. That's very cool of your dad because some yeah. parents would have been like, oh, yes, be a lawyer. Right. You know, forget no. forget all that stuff. But yeah, that's very cool of your dad. Yeah, and I kind of jumped on it because I wasn't prepared to study for the LSATs, right? <laughs> yeah, that's no fun. Uh, and I went up to Lake Placid and started as a bellman and worked myself up kind of. And then I got into the dining room and this guy up there who ran the food and beverage, um, he just kind of took me under his wing and I learned everything from him. I mean, to this day, he's still like my mentor. I call him questions wow. on i mean he's he, he he's a king in this business wow. um he runs some huge hotels now but 
um, yeah, so that's how I got it. And then from Lake Placid to South Carolina to open up a property, back to New York. So you got bitten by the bug early yeah. in college days. And then that was what you wanted to do. Yeah. And then learning and especially like I started off at such a uh, like high, high end. I mean, the point at the time was a Reliant Chateau property was the number one small hotel, you know, small hotel, boutique hotel. They didn't even use boutique back then, but small hotel in the mm-hmm. United States. I mean, we would do stuff that would blow you away. Wow. Uh, it was incredible. But, um, yeah, and then I, I went to South Carolina. I actually, I applied to um, to do a master's. I was like, hey, listen, I love this business. I'm not leaving it, but I don't know the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in college, I was our history major. Okay. I was art history and a Latin minor. But I don't know what you do with that. Well, I think the art history has helped me with design now. Yes, for sure. Um, but so I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to write a P&L. I didn't even know how to read a P&L. And I applied, like, maybe I'll get in, to Cornell's, uh, the master's program at Cornell in their hospitality school. And I didn't get in the first year, but they said we will, I forget the term, but you, if you still want, you can come the following year. Mm-hmm. So I had a year, so I went back to New York. And now I'm in it, and I knew some guys there, and I helped open restaurants, did this and that, and then I went up to Cornell. And so you actually had formal education in this after, right? Yeah, but after you but you learn. I would say what's helped me the most is the number side mm-hmm. and learning how to analyze stuff, right? From I mean, a lot of people can. It doesn't teach you hospitality. Hospitality is what you have in you, right? Right, but. Um, you know, I think I had a jump start, right? So, like, if we, uh, I look at our numbers, I look at our reservations, and it gives you that mindset, okay, so how do I look at all this information we're gathering? Because right now, with all the, you know, analytics we get from every everything's computers and this, right. how, what do you do with that information? And Cornell really, like, sets that up for you to teach you, all right, I have this numbers and this, what do I do with it to try to make my business better? Right, so you were able to, not only were you in the hospitality industry, but you were able to kind of, after going to school for that, really uh, translate that into being kind of very successful um, restaurateur. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it helps, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. So what brought you to Houston? Um, my third child was born in New York. Mm-hmm. To have three kids right. in New York City in a 1,200-square-foot apartment, it's not that much fun. And we were really, at the time, looking to move to, uh, you know, looking like Long Island or Westchester or Jersey. And it was so expensive. And I was, you know, in the restaurant business, I didn't want to commute. It just seemed, like, horrible. Right. You'd have to go into the city. You'd have to go into the city, take a train, you know. Mm -hmm. You never know what time you're getting off, you know, at night. It it wasn't for me. Um, Especially with three little kids. Three little kids. I think it was, uh, that was a... Four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a baby. Oh, wow. Full house. Yeah. So my wife had actually, you know, she's from Mexico City, and she grew up coming to Houston a lot. My best friend, my college roommate, roommate after school, he had actually just got, he he moved down to Houston after law school, and I didn't like Miami, to be honest. So it was was Miami Miami? or Houston, and I didn't really like Miami. Okay. My wife knew some people here from coming, you know, from growing up in Mexico City, and that's how we came down. Wow. Well, that was a good choice. Yeah. So you started with B&B Butchers. Uh-huh. You started with a steakhouse in a city full of steakhouses mm-hmm. and, and good steakhouses. So why was that? I mean, it was so ambitious. Well, I had been working for the Smith & Walensky Company in New York, for Alan Stillman for a while. I worked out in Vegas for them. I mean, I came down here actually managing. You know, first, I was going to come down with, with without a job. And I was like, I'm just going to open my own up. I was probably a little too cocky. And then I realized, shit. I need, I need healthcare. I got these three little kids. 
I need I need a salary. And uh, my, my president got wind. I was planning on moving. He goes, well, I need a general manager down there. You go to that. Um, I knew steakhouses. Right. And I kind of felt there was, you know, I saw it happening in New York. You saw it happening in Vegas where that old, like, traditional style steakhouse, which, you know, the big guys just do. Right. They were changing it. And so when you get to Houston, that hadn't happened here yet. Mm-hmm. It was still the big traditional guys, the same format. And I felt, that, I mean, it's being proven in other areas, in other cities. Let me try it here. Do it a little differently. Like a boutique steakhouse. Yeah. Right. And, and a little younger, a little more fun. Not your, right. like, grandfather's steakhouse. Not so steakhouse. stiff. Not right. so stiff. Right. So the, the building, let's talk about that first because it's such a standout building on Washington. Um, it used to be a bakery. Yes. It was a Jewish bakery. Like 1924, 23 years. And so you kind of kept it. I mean, it really still has that really historic look. Well, yeah, that was, I mean, I was a little frustrated first here, you know, looking at so many strip malls and this. Right. And that's not, I was not used to that growing up in New York. And, and in New York, you know, you have so many restaurants that like have built in character just because right. the space is so old. Right. And I couldn't find something. And then. This one guy says, there's this building. It's a real fixer-upper. <laughs> but it, I think it's what you're looking for. Right. And he took me down. And the, I think the good thing was I didn't know Houston well enough to know that that side of Washington was like a no-man's land. <laughs> I just looked at it. I was like, I love this building. Oh, look, there's I-10 here, 45, 59, Memorial. That looks good to me. Right. It's so funny you know? to hear people who aren't from Houston describe the different pockets uh, of it. Because, yeah, you're right. It was sort of a an area where... The other Julep side of Washington was just was, about to open or right. just open. Yeah, and that and it's very close to Julep. Yeah. And but it, but you are really close to downtown too. Yes. Very close. Extremely so, close. Which isn't a bad thing. But um So it, yeah, I saw it. There was a tree growing through the wall, you know, where our parking lot was just like an overgrown I don't know, field. And I just fell in love with it. It really is a stunning. There isn't really a lot of spaces like that, especially not a state house. Yeah, and then when I like heard the history of it and everything, it was uh I don't know. I mean, it was a it was a Jewish family that first came to New York, moved to Houston, opened a bakery. It was just so a you cool like the story. story yeah. yeah. So you know, Beanie Butchers. I mean, of course, the space was beautiful. People started dining there, oh. you know, since 2015, and then the food really spoke for itself. There was a lot of uh, traditional steakhouse items, but then you put your own spin on some of right. the menu items. You had um, some things that you felt like were really popular in New York that you wanted to bring here. You have a really nice New York cheesecake. Right. Um, you had, um, there's, uh, what is it, the steak a la Berg? Yeah, steak yes. a la Berg. Now tell us about that. Well, that, that's just like, I would say it's kind of a mix of, in New York, for some reason, we love our hash browns, <laughs> right? I mean, and if you go to any, like, good Irish bar, Irish steakhouse, mm-hmm. there's hash browns and steak. Pot- yeah, sure. Potatoes and yeah, steak, potatoes. right? Um, and... It's just kind of the dish that you want when you're either starving or really hungover. <laughs> right. I mean, no, to be honest. You're not wrong. But in so many places in New York, there, I, when I was um, working off of uh, Park Avenue, there was this place called, it's, I think it's still there, Donahue Steakhouse. It was this whole Irish steakhouse. But like every steak you got, you had a choice of baked potato, french fries, or hash browns. Mm-hmm. And it just went together, right? right yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the other thing that we looked at too was so many steakhouses, their, their meat selection started getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're a steakhouse. We need everything. everything. Yeah. I mean, if you're just serving a filet that's 10 ounce, 8 ounce, 6 ounce, well, there's not really any options. Right. You know, everybody was getting smaller because it's a tough business when it comes to yield when you're in prime, sure. right? It's just expensive. Um, 
you know, and the other part was lunch. So I looked at all the other steakhouses. They're taking their dinner menu, dropping it by 20% and saying it's lunch. Now, that probably worked 15, 20 years ago with the two martini lunches and stuff like that. But the times are changing, right? right. People want a light lunch. Right. People aren't drinking martinis at lunch anymore. Right. They want a salad. They want yeah. lunch food or yeah, a sandwich. sandwich. Right. So, you know, we put the, the price point really low. I mean, you could get out of my steakhouse for $20, which is yeah. Really good for a right. high-end steakhouse. Right, for sure. Where dinner we're running, you know, one hundred twenty dollars check, you know, per person. Um, but then just ex- giving all the cuts of meat. I mean, if I'm showing, I have a butcher shop in front. We, we, we got to back it up. So when you got that space, let's go back for a second. Did you plan on there being a butcher shop? One hundred percent. That was my concept in my okay. head, and then that space worked great because it had the frontage on Washington. Right. It had that like storefront. Right. So you know, I, I'd worked for Smith and Lenski and some other ones where they butchered in house. Mm-hmm. So why not? show off the butchery right. like you can always talk about it mm-hmm. but show the people right. the butchery. so right. yeah no that that always works and that butcher shop is so cute because you can sit and have lunch there you, you can, can have, have orders, lunch like have a, a sandwich. sandwich and sit there and eat and well i'd been here for what at the time two and a half years and i couldn't get a good yeah that's one thing like new yorkers we <laughs> like our deli yes, sandwiches yes. Uh, you know so you couldn't get ones so you made it yourself yes yes well that was a good call so bmb butchers really has earned its place among you know the top restaurants in the city and so have all of the rest of the concepts that you have have followed up with so i feel like there is a consistency within the berg hospitality umbrella with all the restaurants like after bnb butchers what was after that it was bb lemon well we did bnb butchers in fort worth right but then bb lemon right and and then you know and then with bb italia Mm -hmm. there is this comfort that you find when you're dining there that you know this is how i feel this is my opinion but I feel like you know you're at one of Ben's restaurants. You know the food is going to be good. The hospitality is on point as far as the service goes. And it's just really consistent. Um, when you log on to your website, if you want to check out a menu or order something, it's all very easy. You've really simplified that, which I think the guests appreciate. And not just that, but when you dine in, the atmosphere is a certain way. The vibe is a certain way. Are these all things that you have put in place or they sort of come to you and well i mean the first one's the first one right and then you start learning um the big thing for me is experience and atmosphere you have to create that experience and atmosphere especially in today's world because you gotta you, you gotta have that catch right people are going out and they're giving you their time and that's valuable right now and i think you know with such competition and everything is just serving a good plate and even good service, right? Because service is just the technical part. It's the hospitality. It's like, hospitality is the gray area, right? It's, it's how we make you feel when you're there. And trying to provide that experience and, and making it, each one I think has a different experience, but you know you're at our place. Right. That's, uh, that's my point is that when you know, when you walk in, you just know you're sort of taken care of. Right. And that's what people want to feel when yes. they're spending a lot of money to go out to eat or, you know, better than eating at home. They want to feel like that. Well, and, and, and something I learned early on in Houston, like, which is different from New York. Well, actually, when I was at, at Smith & Walensky, you know, I got a, I, I was reading my reviews every day and I see this review and it's like, oh, God, that's bad. Like, and it's like, you ruined my night. Oh, wow. And I go, come on. You know, in New York, we... we you go out to dinner, you walk down the street, you go to a bar, you go, your night keeps going, right? right? There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of points of your evening. Mm-hmm. In Houston, and so I started thinking about like, why, how did I ruin their night? Like we didn't stab them, we didn't right. do anything crazy. <laughs> right. um, 
I started realizing that the restaurants really become the night. Right. You know, especially in a steakhouse. Where, I mean, the bars and steakhouse are kind of the hangouts right. at a lot of places. You know, we... People we, are having these long three, four hour right? you Right. You, you can come. You can, you know, pregame, start with drinks and enjoy that. Then move to the dining room. You know, then have a cigar after or after dinner drinks. Right. Where your evening? Because it's hard to get up and leave and drive somewhere. Well, no one's walking anywhere yeah, nobody's here, walking. for sure. So then, it, then like, it, the huge responsibility started hitting me. So... You know, we want to create that for you. You've kind of created an all-encompassing right. experience, you know, where people are there and the vibe has to be good, that noise, that, you know, all that action that they get when they walk in the And door. it's also like, I look at it like, you don't want the restaurant to all look the same. Right. You want to provide different, like different rooms can look different. I don't care if you don't like this room, but I want you to like one of the rooms. I right. want you to like be connected to it. Say, oh, I love B&B, but I'm only sitting on the second floor. Sure. But, yeah. but you're connected to that, right? And especially in today's world, I think with the cell phones and all that stuff, it's like if you can create a moment for that guest. Now, now we, we might only have a small window, whether it's like how that plate looks or, you know, that picture you took and you got all these Instagram likes right mm-hmm. away, you know, but you'll remember that moment. So if we can just get you on one moment. And you know what's funny is that's it. what they're going to refer to making their yes. night. Oh, I went to Bean Butchers and had the best yeah. night. Or, you know, oh, man, it was so great. The manager came over right. and they, they, they said my name. Right. It makes, you, people, you know, it makes people feel special. They remember that and that's going right. to go. So tell me what is, I mean, we're touching on this. Tell me what is important to you in just a restaurant, let's say a fictional restaurant. What elements have to be there? Um, what elements have to be there? Comfy chairs, a beautiful okay. bathroom. So I'm weird. <laughs> Bathrooms have to look good. Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. And the ceiling. I think a lot of people cheap on the ceiling, and it drives me crazy. They do. Yeah, they do. Uh, so like I look said, at the people, ceiling. When people are having a moment there, they're sort of looking around. They're, they're eating with their eyes right. first, really. Oh, of course. You know, they're looking at their surroundings. They're looking at the cocktails. And right. the cocktails look a pretty color. Everything is an accessory. Everything. Well, I'll tell you, when we opened B&B, I knew my sides were good. But we were getting a lot of complaints on our sides. And What were the complaints? Uh, yeah, it was from everything. It was, you know, just not that good or... or no, no, poor presentation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd been in the classic steakhouse business, so it's like you get your steak on your plate, and here's your asparagus. But I was also looking at people st- taking pictures. So I go, all right. So we, I ordered all new side plateware. We've actually re- replaced our sideware again. Um, because you start seeing those photos on social media. Yeah, and it that. looks like shit. Right. And I said, okay, well, I get this real skinny, narrow, long plate. I was like, all right, now our asparagus is going to be stacked this high. Right. And I'm going to get a different dish for the mac and cheese because it wasn't, you know, overnight, everyone likes it again. <laughs> I'm like, okay. They're oh eating God. with their eyes, they but are. that's okay. Yeah. Just give them what they want. Right. It, no, you know, it's not, it's not what I want. Right. You know, I mean, it's what they want. Right. So. No, that makes sense. That's really funny. So you do a couple of really cool things. I mean, I swear we could have an episode for each one of your concepts, but today I want to cover just a few things about a few of them. Mm-hmm. So you have a Wagyu katsu sando at, uh, at B&B Butchers, mm-hmm. and it's $120. Mm-hmm. So, That's a deal, actually. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> no, of course, because we're talking about the quality of the meat, yeah. so of course you have to reflect it in the price. But let's talk about that what, what inspired you to do that and have that available at the book? So, the- you know, we got so into the Kobe and the Japanese Wagyu. Um, and we got it. We, you know, we were at the time the only people who were actually certified to carry Kobe. And with learning about it and everything, you know, I'm always looking for different things with meat. 
And I came across that Wagyu Katsu Sando is the, uh, what, what are they called? The, uh, man, I'm blanking, like Wagyu Mafia or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, 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 all they do is the Katsu Sandos or something, but right. uh, all different ones. Yeah, because that's very trendy now. You see them on Instagram. Yeah. You see them at different restaurants. Yeah. They look really cute. Yeah, they're great. They're the perfect square, perfect square and everything. Yeah. So I, we started looking. And I said, oh, we could do this. And, um, and we tried it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is good. You know, I was like, but we can't go over $120. Like, legitimately, for a decent cost, it probably should be around $140, $150. Because, I mean, that's Japanese A5. Right. And it's, you know... I can't tell this, but, you know, we're charging, I think, 25 or $30 an ounce for that. And this is probably six ounces of meat. Right. So it's solid, right? But you can't charge more than 120 for Right, say. yeah. Because that's what people hear is 120 yeah. sandwich. Yeah. They don't kind of hear any of the other stuff. But it's incredible. We sell a ton. Hey, you know what's the one that blew me away is over COVID? The amount we sold to go. On that sandwich? Yeah. So people were picking up that sandwich to go. To go. Wow. And I was like, that's not a sandwich you should be eating no, to go. You know? No, And not that it probably wouldn't taste good, but it's... I, I had it in the restaurant yeah. uh, before, way before COVID, but it just kind of melts in your mouth. Right. It's so buttery. It's and delicious. I don't know, it would get mushy, maybe the bread and yeah. whatever. But, but, yeah. But listen, if you don't try it, you, know, you got to try these things. You got to try them, yeah. And, and because I did get a lot of questions after I tried it. Was it worth it? Is yeah. it worth it? And I said, of course it's yeah. worth it. It's delicious. And um, But, you know, some people who don't really um, go into the quality of the meat and don't understand right. all that, they might just think, well, I don't know if I'm going to pay that much for a sandwich. And right. that's fine. It's fine. You're not you're not yeah. doing that at Subway, you know? No, so, no. Yeah. I mean, listen, not everything's for everybody. And not, not, not everybody cares as much. Right, right. You know? Another thing that you do that I think is interesting is the um, the hot dog service at Turner's. Yeah. So I haven't had that yet. So tell me about that. So I mean, there's probably three things or four things I would eat anytime. <laughs> as a hot dog, as pizza... Chinese food mm-hmm. and like an Italian sandwich, like Italian hero, yes. you know, yeah. the cold cuts. I love hot dogs. We have this great Wagyu hot dog that comes from Marfa, Texas. It's, uh, it's just, you know, skinless, it's, it's meaty. And, you know, especially the Turner's menu is kind of a weird throwback, right? Right. And I wanted a hot dog on the menu. But right, I want. It's all like nostalgic. Dish, it's kind of nostalgic, yeah. yeah. Classic. Like, like let's, let, let's really dress up. 50s comfort food right. or something, right? Because, you know, at one point, meatloaf was probably a really nice dish. Mm-hmm. You know, people cared about it. Right. Now, you know, but then when time and people get busier and busier and busier, you know, now it's just meatloaf, right? right? Um, people skimp and make it the easy way and right. it doesn't taste as good. Yeah. And uh, so with the hot dog, it's like, listen, everybody loves hot dog. Not everybody's always in I mean, I, I charge for it, but, you know, you get the chili, you get all the, the, the accoutrement, it all comes, you know, you can dress it yourself, we'll dress it for you. Um, and I'll tell you, my first order at Turner's that we ever got, I was like, oh, thank God these people got it. <laughs> we had an order, a $195 order of uh, Petrosian caviar, a hot dog. <laughs> and a four hundred dollar bottle of wine. Now the hot dog is isn't it twenty dollars? Twenty two, okay. I think. Twenty two dollar <laughs> yeah. hot dog. Okay. Well, it must be a really good hot dog. It's a great hot dog, yeah. but it's a whole experience. You get the whole thing of yeah. chili and everything. I mean, whatever you want. Right. It's yeah. fun. I do like that you put a fun spin on some of these foods that people kind of put on the wayside. Right. They're, I mean, people like certain food for a reason. Yeah. And I think that when you put that touch to it, it, makes it just a little bit more special. And then I had to put because I like pulling in things that I like. You know, we call push cart onions, but they don't do them anywhere else other than New York, but the onions and the red sauce. 
Right. You know, yes. that you can get on a hot dog from on the street. So we even have the little onions and red sauce, which is beautiful. Amazing. So that's probably the closest place to get a real New York hot dog. Is Except it? for our hot dogs way better than <laughs> what they serve in New York. And we grill it. They so boil even it. Better. They boil it. So I want to talk about uh, the Annie because, mm-hmm. you know, the Annie, of course, that's a name in Houston restaurants that we all know. I mean, it's been around for decades and decades, such an institution. But some people might not know that you took over operations um, mm-hmm. of that restaurant a couple of years ago. We took it over in May of 19. Yeah. And we closed it down. We renovated the whole thing. We opened up, I think, at the end of September. Beginning of October. And that's when the name changed to just the Annie. Yeah. I mean, there's an Annie. I think in June, it'll be 40 years of Robert and Annie. Robert Del Grande, yeah. who's still the chef there. Still no. the chef, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Um, but I think it's almost 41 years of Annie. Right. So, you know, I was so nervous about taking over this restaurant. I almost, I said no a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I met Robert I, just by chance in New Orleans one time. He was down there for something else, and I was down there for something else. And we both knew, he knew I was speaking with, you know, about doing it, but we never sat down. And we had a big talk that night, and I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, just because of him. He's really an incredible guy. So talented. And he's so smart. And it's a different uh, different approach than I've ever been a part of. I mean, you know, coming from New York and boom, boom, boom. You know, right. sense of urgency. Right. But his, his, the way he, he analyzes things and thinks about things. Now, sometimes it takes a little bit long for me. Right. Right? Because, I mean, he's California mixed with Texas. <laughs> it's not that New York minute, you right. know. Yes. But it's so interesting to watch it happen. And then to be a part of it. And, you know, he said, Ben, I'm going I'm to do this with you. I said, okay, Gareth, because I'm not going to do it without you. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like, we had a lot of talks of like, okay, Annie has to reinvent, reimagine itself again. And I was, I like the design part. And it's like fresh and easy and you, know, you got post oak. And it's such a beautiful space. I mean, yeah, the, it's, the, the property itself yeah. is just, can't go And, wrong. Yeah. And I mean, except for being shut down so quickly, right. you know, after I think okay. we're only really open five, six months. Um, but I'm really happy because now, I mean, since we've reopened, it is just gangbusters. It is such um, a wonderful destination to dine. I have been there so many times and it honestly has become one of my, my family's and mine special occasion destination. I just had my birthday there right. um, a couple of months ago and the patio is so nice The Food, of course, is phenomenal, but the vibe there is like you're cool. away on vacation. Yeah. It's it really is one of a kind in Houston, well, thank you. and I I do think that's you know a combination of you and and Robert. Well, and then the pressure. I was so nervous. Oh, Ben took it over, and of course of it goes course. to shit. Right? Uh, no, no, no. I yeah. don't. Well, I don't think anything you've taken over has gone to shit. But so. no, but it's like. You know, that wanted a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Sure, of like, course. Well, yeah. Every is... single day I was putting it together, I was like, oh, please let this not mess up. Well, you know, I think people in Houston just always have loved that space or loved that restaurant. And we had high hopes for it. We yeah. you know, had high hopes for it. And I think you've totally exceeded those. Well, you know, the thing is, I started listening to everybody. Like, everybody had an anniversary, mm-hmm. birthdays, you know, the prom dinner. Like, right? something. Like, sure. I, I think it's hard not to find somebody who's been in Houston for the past 40 years that hasn't had a special occasion. There. At the Annie, yeah. Well, I, I 
feel I can strongly say that it's going to continue on for another Thank 40 you. years. I mean, it's just such a great place. I may not continue for another 40 years, <laughs> you but I hope just, the restaurant goes. You are just on a mission. Um, so let's talk about what you have going on now, uh-huh. what we don't know about, what's not open yet. So we're opening up this little cafe market right next to our office called NOPO. Um, and that stands for? North Post Oak. Yes. Because this is where we moved to. I mean, it was in the middle of middle of COVID, April, and I kind of forgot I signed this lease. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <Oops. laughs> yeah. But, um, but the landlord wanted uh, – he's a partner of mine anyway, Nanny. And he was like, let's do this little cafe. So – I loved it. And I'm looking around this neighborhood. There's nothing here. Right. I was. I noticed that when I drove up. There's you can't no, get anything here. And it's really up and coming. It's homes everywhere. A lot of places to live, but yeah. not that many restaurants. Nothing. Interesting. Right. Um, so I'm actually excited. This is the first time we've done a three-meal restaurant. Okay. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, wow. and dinner. Um, first time I kind of jumped into that. I never saw it before until I moved to Houston. Um, you know, kind of the self-service. So like... Breakfast like and lunch. No, well, we're gonna have grab and go, mm-hmm. but you can come up, order. We give you your thing. Oh, like, and go oh, sit like down. a counter service, like, like a dare or, or something yes. like that. Yeah, okay. Right. So we're gonna do that, like for breakfast and lunch. Um, you know, if lunch really takes off, we'd probably do some service because it's hard for me not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we build a really pretty bar. It's actually like the nicest bar top I've ever done, I think, mm-hmm. um, because I found it's all pewter and it's a live pewter, so it's gonna change over time and wow. patina beautiful. Um, and then we'll do a full service at night, but. I'm excited. I love breakfast, right? Yeah. I think if if I'm going to eat a meal, that's probably the meal I would choose to eat every day. Um, It's like traditional breakfast food? Yeah, yeah. And then then some, you know, Houston stuff, some fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, usually my menus get way too big. I I think we're not known for small menus. Right. A lot lot of of options. options, Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's also kind of trying to push the healthier stuff for lunch and dinner. Okay. We're not really known for healthy. <laughs> uh, but I was like, we got to start going. I mean, that's sure. where yeah, it goes. Yeah, people like salads. They yeah, like yeah. lighter stuff in the day. Yeah. Plus for breakfast, too. I do, too. But we just haven't done it right. very much. <laughs> so, uh, uh, which is exciting because it's all new. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is a completely new concept. Yes. Um, and I think the neighborhood's going to, you know, really grasp it. I mean, all I hear is, like, people saying, When's it going to open? There's nothing around here. Right. I just want a drink. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Anything. Or just like a casual place to stop by. There really aren't that many of those no. in Houston. You know, where you can... I mean, love local foods, Dish right. Society. There's a bunch of those all around town. But there isn't really anything else. No. And you can just come and grab a coffee. Get... I, mean, I, I got to put my, like, New York style bacon, egg, and cheese. Yeah. But, you know, we have the tacos and we're fresh-baked, you know, muffins and all the good stuff in yeah, the morning. That too. sounds really good. So that's exciting. So I... Here's my last question. Sure. The most important... Are you a New Yorker or are you a Houstonian? I am a Houstonian from New York. <laughs> okay, well played. Yeah. Well, we are um, so glad to have you here. Thrilled to have you here doing all that you're doing, and we just hope for so much more. Ben, good luck to you. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. is such a dynamic personality. As he says, he has the gift of gab, and we could have easily spent hours gabbing about each individual concept in great detail. There is so much to unpack there. But for now, I will leave you with my personal recommendations and suggestions for dining at some of the restaurants we discussed today. First, B&B Butchers. 
It's a wonderful place. You can rely on it for traditional steakhouse eats. And of course, there are some fun options too, like the Wagyu sandwich we talked about. Also, there is Chef Tommy's bacon, which is thick cuts of bacon drizzled with truffle-infused honey and blue cheese. Very good. But I also recommend trying B&B Butchers for brunch if you haven't before. Dining and drinking mimosas on the second story terrace with views of the downtown skyline on a pretty day is pretty hard to beat. BB Lemon. This could easily become your regular hangout. It's always festive. There's a bar and a patio and the menu is pretty big. So you can come back time and time again and have a different meal each time. Here, I suggest saving room for dessert. Not only do they have an old fashioned root beer float on the menu, but there's also a Texas sized banana pudding. It's called the big banana. And it's just a fun shareable dessert for a group. BB Italia. Now this concept is in Memorial, but it's temporarily closed because Ben is relocating it to a new space. But while it's closed, you can still try the food. Berg Hospitality offers delivery and pickup of food from BB Italia, BB Lemon, and the butcher shop from its ghost kitchen at the Fair Food Company near the Galleria. All the pasta at BB Italia is homemade, so I definitely recommend trying a pasta. I love the bolognese with veal ragu and the 20 layer lasagna. The Annie, one of my favorite restaurants. The Annie is always great, especially if you like dining on the patio because it's lush and green and pretty. And brunch here is especially fun, in my opinion, because during Sunday brunch service, they invite mariachis to perform. So it's always a good time. Last but not least, Turner's. Located below the Annie on street level, this is one of those intimate special occasion restaurants. There isn't anything quite like it in Houston, and I'll tell you why. You can dress up here, you can indulge in caviar service or dishes like escargot and croute and lobster thermidor. And the best part, in the dining room, there's a mahogany baby grand piano where local pianists perform nightly. Lots of suggestions for y'all, so I will let you get to making those reservations. Try them all out and let me know which is your favorite. That is it for today. Thank you for listening to Sip and Savor. If you want to connect on social media about today's episode, you can follow me at Hot Pink Houston on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and follow at Sip and Savor Podcast for behind-the-scenes moments and photos of the food, restaurants, and people I discuss in each episode. Also, you can keep up with Ben Berg and all the news and happenings of his many restaurants. Follow at Berg Hospitality on Instagram. If you love this podcast, please subscribe and look out for new episodes every Wednesday on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. Until next week, sip and savor well. 